Welcome back to Puck University, and welcome back to Playoff Hockey. I'm your host, Tim Williams. I'm joined this week once again by Chris Lynch up in Boston. He'll be at the game between the Massachusetts Minutemen and the Vermont Catamounts. Of course, that's UMass Amherst, so I don't anger anyone in Lowell. In the Mullins Center tonight, as the Hockey East playoffs get underway, they're the first conference playoffs to get underway, and we'll get there in a little bit. But the regular season concluded with a bang, and a lot of conferences were still up in the air all the way through to the last weekend. We now have a set of regular season champions, even the NCHC, which is a little late on their regular season. They already have a conference champion as well. So it's Mercyhurst from the Atlantic, Notre Dame from the Big Ten, and they won that seemingly a month ago, Cornell in the ECAC, Boston College in Hockey East, St. Cloud State in NCHC, and Minnesota State Mankato in the WCHA. Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. Who is the most impressive of these conference champions, do you think? Um, Geez, there's a number of them. Uh, Notre Dame was my easy pick for a national champion for a long time throughout the season, especially with how well Cale Morris played this season. I think he's... He's going to be one of the favorites for uh, for the Hobie and for both the Hobie and the uh, uh, and for the Richter Award for best goaltender. But I I got to give the nod ultimately to uh, to Mankato because not a lot of people expected big things out of him, especially with a new goaltender in Connor Lacuve transferring in, and with players who had been good but really took the next step with. Zeb Nustin and C.J. Seuss. I I was really impressed by Mankato the most out of all the conference championship teams. And I should note that uh, Notre Dame had some losses late that caused me to question them a little bit. Cornell, very impressive throughout most of the season. But again, they stumbled at points. That last loss to Union was the one that got me wondering how they would fare in the conference tournament. BC, I genuinely believe, is a fool's gold team, or at least a regular season playoff team, and assume they have to win out in the conference tournament, or at least make the conference championship game in order to get to the NCAA tournament. And St. Cloud, it's a dogfight between them and Denver, and they won out. They barely won out, but they indeed won out. But still, I think Mankato is the most impressive of the regular season champions. I'd agree there. I think Notre Dame was very impressive. They, I wonder if maybe they just took their foot off the gas a bit because they wrapped things up a bit early, and it's not like there's it. There's not a whole lot left to play for in the regular season when you've won your conference regular season championship already. So I wonder if they were just kind of sleepwalking through the last few weeks, which I don't know if that's a compliment to them or to their detriment because that kind of behavior, we see it in all levels of hockey. When a team does that, they tend to get to the playoffs ill-prepared. So we'll see what Notre Dame comes out like after their bye week. But I think they had a really impressive regular season. And while they're not the most impressive regular season champion, 
I will say this about Boston College. When conference play started, it didn't seem all that likely that BC was going to end up leading Hockey East really from wire to wire. They've been in, they were in terms of points at the top of the conference almost the whole way through, which after their their disastrous out-of-conference record was was hard to believe. So really good coaching job by Jerry York, taking that Boston College team that times looks like it's in transition and winning the regular season championship with it. But I agree with you, they'll be a bit vulnerable when the hockey's playoffs roll around and they can't afford to lose in in that regard. And to their credit, I was at their regular season finale between Maine and BC at County Forum, and Jerry York was asked if uh, they ever thought about backing off of the out-of-conference schedule and making it a little bit easier for them, and he said unequivocally no, because they want to play the tough teams, they want to play the big-time opponents, and they think they can win and should win those big-time matchups. So... I have a lot of respect for the way they conduct their operation. They're a championship-level program, and they go out and they try to win these games, and that's exactly what you should do. You should go out and you should try to compete, but I I think they're a team in transition, and yet they still somehow managed to win the games they needed to this year. I mean, York's the winningest coach in the history of college hockey for a very good reason, and that is a very bitter Boston University fan saying that. It is, and I think, unfortunately for them, I think Boston College is also the answer to the question of these conference champions, who's the most vulnerable in their conference playoffs? And I think that's Boston College, partially because they're going to have some really tough competition, but also because I I agree with everything you just said about their, their program. They really do seem like a team in transition. Yeah. I mean, Logan Hutsko is going to be their next star on the wing from Tampa, Florida, by the way. Uh, he's the next guy who's going to uh, go out and make a big name for himself, but he's not quite there yet. I think they have the goaltending in the tandem in Ryan Edquist and Joseph Wool, but I don't see them being better than Providence or Northeastern this season. They didn't do very well in the head-to-head matchups against either of those teams, and I really believe Northeastern is the better hockey club between BC and Northeastern this year. Just look at the results of the bean pot, and I think that bears it out right there. And in all fairness, you mentioned Logan Hutsko from Tampa. You might see something soon on sportstalkflorida.com. I may be writing a piece on Logan Hutsko and about the hockey scene in the Tampa Bay area, which it, it really is a hockey town. I I was at Amelie Arena last night for the Lightning and the Sabres. The loudest cheer anyone got all night was for a clear out of the defensive zone. So that's the kind of hockey fans they have down here. And they're starting to starting to send some players up. Hutsko is he's a real talent and hockey East has had a couple. Clay Witt, who was a goaltender for Northeastern for a few years came out of Brandon, Florida, which is right there next to Tampa as well. Huh. I didn't realize that there was such a uh, tradition of recent success coming from uh, from Florida hockey players, but it makes sense considering how good the Lightning are. But I think they can only hope that um, 
I I'm depends on who they end up facing in their first round playoff series, but it'll be very interesting to see how they fare. Because if they get upset at home in their first round series, it's a lock that they don't end up making it to the next round. And of all the champion teams in the regular season, I think they are the most likely team to score an upset. I mean, it is the playoffs, and weird things happen, but I think they're the most likely team to get upset. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And, of course, these are going to be some tough conference playoffs for a lot of these teams. But when you are when you get to the NCHC, for example, I don't know if Denver beating St. Cloud State really constitutes an upset, even if St. Cloud State would come in favored to win that game. So the, that's that's part of what we mean by upset, of course. And looking at the polls and the pairwise, I'll just shift really quick while we're talking about the conferences. Was the Big T- was the Big Ten the best conference in college hockey? I don't think so. I mean, we I mean we've been critical of uh, overrating the NCHC for big stretches of the season, but uh, I don't really think it was the best. Just going team by team, Notre Dame unquestionably a national champion contender. They're unquestionably one of the top teams. Ohio State, defensively, unquestionably one of the top teams overall. Uh, Michigan, they came on strong very late. I would be a tad hesitant to put them in the uh, in the tournament, but I think I could ultimately be won over by them. Penn State, they got a lot of offense. They I'm still waiting for Peyton Jones to uh, to come up with. Uh, with big-time goalie plays that they'll need to in the playoffs the way that uh, the other Big Ten goaltenders have. Minnesota, yeah, I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to put that in. And the only teams that are guaranteed no-ins no are Wisconsin and Michigan State. In part, they benefit from being a small conference. There's only seven schools in this conference, while the ECAC has 12, Atlantic and Hockey East have 11 each. And so uh, I think think that they were a touch overrated but at least the the top two teams in Notre Dame and Ohio State if we're going just off of what the top teams in the conference are able to produce then yeah those top two uh those top two programs are national championship contenders from top to bottom I'd be hard pressed to say that uh, it was better total package than the NCHC or better than the WCHA which I think we've noted maybe more so than we need to that it doesn't get a lot of respect in this day and age I'd I'd agree with most of that. I would give the Big Ten the the title of the most entertaining conference throughout the year. There's there have been a lot of really fun matchups in that conference. They happen every week. We'll get to it. There's one this week in the in their in their playoff that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So it's been it's been a fun conference. I don't know if it's been the best conference. I just wanted to bring that up because of course, the Big Ten has a target on its back within college hockey still, even though it's been it, it's starting to find its footing, but it's still the Big Ten. It's still the the non hockey only conference. It's the one that exists outside of hockey, and it see it still feels like an outlier. And they had a really good year. 
in the Big Ten, but I think I'd agree with you that the NCHC was top to bottom the best conference. Yeah, I mean, and I've and I have criticized uh, bits of the polls for overranking teams from the NCHC, but it really was total package the best conference that going this season. And I I think the most entertaining matchups were. Uh, were out of the NCHC in total, but that's only for the uh, for really the top tier matchups with the the shootouts involving Omaha and the uh, grueling grudge matches between St. Cloud and Denver. Who I won't be shocked if either of those two teams make it to the Frozen Four this year. In fact, I'd probably still I'd probably still peg Denver as my favorite to win the national championship this year. Because they've done it before. At least most of that core has done it before, and Montgomery is going to drive them to try and win another national championship. So at the end of the regular season, well, the NCHC still has this weekend to play because, again, they're late. St. Cloud State tops the USCHO poll. If they finish strong against North Dakota, they'll be the number one team in the regular season, according to the poll voters. We talk about conference regular season champions quite a bit. If there was such a thing as the national regular season champion, who would get your vote? Would it be St. Cloud State? I don't think so. I'd probably have to go with Cornell, actually. I think top to bottom, four losses and two ties – and they've been outstanding for uh, for their whole stretch of the season. Uh, they have got the best winning percentage in the entire country. They've got. Uh, I would I would give my vote to Cornell for being the uh, the regular season national championship. My father, who's a Harvard alum, probably doesn't want to hear that, but uh, I would ultimately go with Cornell for regular season title. Well, I guess that's how it would work in the way I structured it, too. It would have to be the team with the best overall record because it's the team with the best record that would win it. So so I, I thought for a moment about saying something that Minnesota State Mankato could be that team. They Again, I think they were the most, probably the most impressive unit in the regular season, but it would go to the team with the best record as far as I'm concerned. That would be Cornell, so I'd agree with you on that. I mean, there's you could make very convincing arguments that teams one through five, I think, Saint those being Saint Cloud, Cornell, Mankato, Denver, and Notre Dame are all worthy of uh, consideration for regular season national championship, if you will. You could certainly make convincing arguments for any one of those teams, but I just think for the winning percentage, and I think for the performance of all their freshmen led by people like Anthony Angelo. I've I got to go with Cornell for being the best regular season team. Yeah. And they had, not only did they have the best winning percentage overall, they had the best winning percentage in their conference. And that includes Notre Dame who ran away with the big 10. So that's saying something as well. Cornell, really put together they steamrolled through the regular season and in in an ECAC that turned out to be a pretty tough conference toward the top Harvard came in with some high expectations 
and they only ended up fourth in the conference in the regular season. Of course, they're still a dangerous team. Oh, I mean, these teams in the ECAC, they're going to be – I think that these ECAC playoffs are actually going to be maybe the most interesting to pay attention to out of out of anyone – out of any one conference, all things considered, because the top four teams of Cornell, Union, Clarkson, and Harvard, I think all of them can win it. And then there are teams that can pull upsets in the early rounds with, I think Dartmouth is a team capable of pulling an upset. So is Colgate behind Colton Point, who we'll talk about when award season gets closer of just how well people like Kale Morris and Galeta and, uh, Matt Robson played for uh, uh, for Minnesota, but the way Colton Point performed this season with a 946 save percentage to lead his team has just been unbelievable. So I think he is absolutely capable of stealing a series from from anybody. So I think the ECAC playoffs are probably the most interesting out of all the conferences this year. And at the end of the regular season, who would be your vote for the Hobie Baker Award? Because the first round of voting will be this weekend. So so we're getting closer to, to that. And of course, you, I think the conference playoffs help decide a lot of that. We learn a lot about these top players in these playoff situations. But at this point, Chris, who would be your vote for the Hobie Baker Award? Uh, probably going to say your guy as well, but Adam Gaudet. He'd probably he'd be the first person I would uh, I would vote for, with strong considerations to two other people: C.J. Seuss, the best player for Mankato, and uh, and Kale Morris of Notre Dame, who led them to their unbelievable season. Also, giving a goaltender some love for this award, which they've not gotten much of. But it's Adam Gaudet right now with. He's up in the goal scoring category by the, the next closest guy is uh, is Eric Brown with 28 goals, but he's carrying both categories with 56 total points. The next closest guy is his teammate with 48, Dylan Sakura. The next guy down the list is Max Verano of Princeton with 44. He's got 12 more points than the next guy who isn't on his team. So... And for the season that he's had with Northeastern, I think you have to go with Adam Gaudet right now. Yeah, that would be my vote as well. I don't think that would surprise anybody that my pick at this point is Adam Gaudet, especially if I'm going to wait a little bit more toward playoff hockey. Well, he's got a little bit of that under his belt. None of the other candidates really do at this point. He had a hat trick in the Beanpot final, which... So it's not just that he scored a lot of goals, it's when and how those goals were scored. He's been the most impressive player in college hockey to me. Of course, I'm probably a little biased in that subject, but he had an incredible season. And at, at the end of the regular season, he would be my pick for the Hobie Baker as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot more to be decided, and I would give serious consideration to C.J. Seuss, a player who he's drafted by Winnipeg and he's a senior now. I will look for his name with the Jets when uh, when his time comes. But 
I really would give him some considerations. He's not, I mean, he has only got 21 goals, 19 assists for 40 points. I'd say that as if it's a bad season, which it absolutely isn't. But he is the leader on the best team in the WCHA and one of the best teams in the nation. I think he's pretty clearly the face of that team. So I'd give strong consideration to him for the Hobie as well. Looking ahead, it's the final weekend of the regular season for the NCHC, who is, again, late. As always, you have some ranked matchups out there over the weekend. Most notably, St. Cloud State visits North Dakota for the weekend. North Dakota has to watch out. They could really find themselves on the wrong side of the tournament bubble with a couple more losses. Yeah, I mean, this is the time when uh, things really get uh, really get important because North Dakota is currently 14th in the pairwise right now. One of those spots, because, uh, of course, for every team outside the Atlantic, you got to get within the top 15 at least because one of those spots is going to be taken by a team from the Atlantic. It looks like it'll be Mercyhurst right now. But as it stands presently... Uh, it's not exactly looking good. I mean, they got to get some wins. And to be fair, Ralph Engelstad Arena is quite possibly the best home ice advantage that any team could ever enjoy in all of college hockey. So uh, I think that it'll be on. I'm more interested to see what St. Cloud does with this than what North Dakota does with this. Because St. Cloud has already locked up a tournament spot. They did that a while ago with being ranked number one throughout most of the year. I think that this will be interesting to see if they don't have that much to play for, but they have the opportunity to knock out a conference foe and potentially put them on ice for the, uh, for the tournament. So if you are a championship team, you've got to have that killer instinct of being able to knock out a team. So I want to see what they do with uh, with this opportunity in probably the fiercest atmosphere that they'll have all season before the playoffs get underway, I mean. And you could say a lot of the same stuff about the matchup between Nebraska-Omaha and Minnesota-Duluth. Omaha goes to Duluth. And they need to get some points this weekend. You you think they I would you have to imagine they would feel some urgency. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, same thing for them right now. Duluth, they're pretty much sewn in for getting a playoff spot unless they get hilariously upset before the NCHC frozen faceoff, which is possible. But Omaha is currently 15th, and the Anisol Arena also hard to go into, especially with Duluth. They're still bitter about losing that championship last season to Denver. So they want to go at it, and uh, they want to uh, verify that they are a uh, team worthy of contention and that we've we've not talked about them that much because I think a lot of people would say that their best window for a national championship with last year's team passed. They're trying to prove otherwise, that this this is another championship year in which they're going for it all. So, And Omaha is... Uh, Nebraska's not a big hockey state. Of course, it's a football state, but that school is developing a pretty good reputation for uh, being a real hockey school. So it would be nice to get to see 
uh, some continuing good performance out of a team from a non-traditional hockey market. It would, and of course, I'm always talking about the unique programs and the unique feel of college hockey, and part of that comes from some of these remote campuses that you don't see in other sports necessarily that make some noise in college hockey. And you'd have to think that Nebraska-Omaha in a sports sense is quickly and easily overshadowed, even though it's been a while since the Cornhuskers in Lincoln have been the powerhouse they once were in football. But simply the name Scott Frost will get more attention than most of what goes on at Omaha. So I imagine their hockey program, that's a unique thing that they can be very proud of, and they've really built it into something. Oh, yeah. I mean, interesting thing, actually, that uh, David Quinn, the head coach at BU, I, I say this because I have some bit of respect for uh, for him as well. He was part of the coaching staff that helped found the uh, the program at Omaha, and that was in 1999. So they've already developed from being a team on the bubble to being brand new in the late 90s to now being in the powerhouse conference and making a recent Frozen Four trip in 2015. So it's a great program, and I wish for them some more success, but they've got to get some points this weekend, and God help them, because uh, Amosol is a brutal place to go into to play a hockey game, especially with how good that team really is this year. And they've not gotten the press that uh, that a lot of other teams like uh, Denver and St. Cloud have gotten this year, but they're a worthy opponent this season. This is just another reason for more schools to add Division I hockey programs wherever and whenever they can, because it really doesn't take long before you can be a national power. Uh, you got to be careful with uh, how far you take that argument because there are some people who will say, well, that's a sign that this isn't a very good sport, that you can rise up pretty quickly, which, of course, that's not really a good argument. But, uh, yeah, I say that this is a, there's good enough reason to do so because a lot of schools that don't get a lot of shine outside. I mean, BU, good academic school, but for athletic stuff, it's hockey and nothing else. BC... Their basketball team and uh, football team haven't seen a ton of success recently. It's their hockey teams, teams, their men's and women's team that's been carrying it. So, yeah, that that sounds about accurate. And you'd never hear of places like Clarkson or St. Lawrence. In fact, we'd probably forget what uh, upstate New York, where upstate New York even is without uh, uh, conversations like this, I think. So, yeah. The conference playoffs begin today. Again, folks, welcome to playoff hockey. We'll be here till June. And it is it is the best time of year. It really is the best time of year for any sports fan because playoff hockey is objectively the best. You'll be at the Mullen Center tonight as the college hockey postseason gets underway. For Vermont and Mass Amherst, it should be a close matchup, if mostly because of Vermont goaltender Stefanos Lekas. Oh, yeah. he's. I mean, Lekas has been one of the few bright spots for a team that really has disappointed. I mean, Vermont last season was a 20-game winner, and it, it was their last 
playoff matchup, they went on the road to BC against a team that was really struggling and needed some wins in order to make a run at not just the conference playoffs, but uh, but at the uh, at the national championship. And in their final two games of the 2017 season, Vermont got shelled 7-0 and 7-4, and that cost them a trip to the NCAA tournament. Otherwise, last year's Vermont team was a very good team, and Kevin Sneddon, the head coach of the Catamounts, had a lot of big expectations for his team, and they were in last place in Hockey East at the turn of the new year, and there were a lot of questions about uh, where the program was going and where they were going to generate goals, and Lekas got them wins almost single-handedly. I do think Amherst is the better total package team because their freshman tandem of uh, Cal McCarr and Mario Ferraro I think is the tandem to watch for, not just in Hockey East, but for the next few years in college hockey. I think those two guys are going to be the face of a UMass Amherst program on the rise over the next two or so years. They're both good enough to play pro hockey, and Greg Carvel, the head coach, he recruited him to go to Amherst and build a legacy there. So I do think Amherst will win this one, but I think Lekas will keep the Catamounts in, in the games for uh, for however long it is, if it's two or three games. While we're talking about Hockey East, we're all in for a treat this weekend. We get a playoff series between Maine and New Hampshire in Alfond Arena in Orono, with New Hampshire's longtime coach Dick Umilly likely coaching his last college hockey games. UNH started out promising this year, but the wheels really came off for the Wildcats. Still, as any sports fan will tell you, a big rivalry will bring out the best in any team. New Hampshire and Maine are exactly that kind of rivalry. Oh, it's one of the grandest rivalry in the his- rivalries in the history of college hockey. Like this is one of the premier attractions, especially in that arena in Orono, Maine, which I'll be at some of those games. I don't know exactly which ones I'll be at yet, but I'll be at uh, some of those games because isn't this the way the script should have gone? Isn't this the way that uh, the movie script should be for Dick Umilly? You spend your whole career with UNH, basically, except for a few years when he was at Providence. But for your whole career as the head coach, you battle the team from Orono in all its different iterations. And you're looking for one last run of glory. It has to start, and it has to be uh, right here in uh, against 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 Maine just it has to be that way so I'm excited as I think most college hockey fans and you're right about rivalries drawing the best out of people and the rules of uh your records for most regular season stuff those regular records do not apply for this series I think this will be a toss-up especially since all three games that these teams played in the regular season went into overtime the two they played in Orono ended up as ties. The one they played in Durham ended up being a uh, a main victory. But this is the season that uh, you got to get a playoff win in Orono. And I really do think this UNH team can. Of course, Maine's the favorite. But Danny Tironi has played very well in playoff situations before. And 
I trust Coach Humili to be able to pull out one last run of playoff magic because the movie calls for it, basically. Another Hockey East rivalry is being rekindled in a way. I, I don't know how much of a rivalry we think this might be, but it was a big Division II rivalry between Merrimack and UMass Lowell. They'll be at the Songus Center this weekend on Friday and Saturday and possibly Sunday as well. It's been an up-and-down season for the Riverhawks, but of course, that Norm Basin program, they're tough to count out in any form. And that Merrimack team, they haven't gotten a lot in the way of results. In fact, they haven't gotten much of anything in the way of results, but they're tough. I mean, the best thing that Lowell has going for them is that they're not playing in North Andover because anyone in Hockey East will tell you, do not get yourself in a big game situation in Merrimack. They're a trap team. They're very good on their home rink, and uh, they will pull the upset on you if you're not careful. I mean, BU has seen that a bunch of times. BC has seen that a bunch of times when you're not expecting them to pull anything or be that good of a hockey club, but the second you, you let your guard down going into that building, then you're in some trouble. The thing is, uh, that doesn't really apply for this series because it's in Lowell, and the Riverhawks, of course, play very well at the Songus Center, and I'm not sure what the spring break schedule is, but I, I think it will still be pretty well attended, and i got to say, that's one of the most disappointing things about the timing for all this is that the college hockey playoffs are uh, right as a lot of these Northeastern schools are going on spring break. So I think the attendance will suffer a little bit at places like BU or at places like uh, like BC or at these places because the students just aren't there. It's just that's the only downside to, to the uh, playoffs getting underway here. But I think Merrimack will be a tough team for Lowell, but and I wish I could agree with your sentiment of it's a big uh, Hockey East rivalry. Unfortunately, it isn't because uh, Merrimack is a tough trap team for everybody. But Lowell, for some odd reason, has been the one team that's been able to survive the trap in Merrimack. And they completely smashed them in the final regular season game 5-0 uh, at the end of the uh, – uh, in last week. So I think this will be a victory for Lowell before the end of the season. And I hope that the fans turn out in a big way for the Riverhawks. And to correct myself, I don't think many, many Lowell fans would call Merrimack their rival. I think they would call UMass Amherst their rival because they understandably have their, have a chip on their shoulder about being part of the UMass system and how Amherst is the supposed flagship campus. So, so I, I would say that it, UMass Lowell's real rival is is with Amherst, but in Division Two, these teams did play quite a bit back in a previous iteration of of their hockey programs. Yeah, I mean, you got to acknowledge all the traditions of it and how uh, they were big Division Two powers, both winning a a couple of national championships at the D two level. But it would be nice to see them uh, go out and see some real success at the D one level. I mean, Lowell has. Although they're they're under the bargain on that regard, at least recently. And Merrimack, I want to see them have some real success. I I'd love to see them uh, make a conference championship game. I mean, make another one for their first one since 2011, 
or make another national championship. Again, would be their first since 2011 when they were beaten in overtime by Notre Dame. So it would be great to see Merrimack, another small program that we otherwise wouldn't be talking about, uh, have some success in college hockey. But I don't think this is the year for uh, for that to happen for them, unfortunately. Do you like any of these six teams to pose a particular threat to Boston College or Northeastern or Providence? Um, hmm. Well, if Maine wins, then they would move on to Providence, and I think that's a very interesting matchup. In part, I've never been that high on Providence this season because I don't see the depth that they have. Plus, I love what Jeremy Swayman can do in net for Maine. So I would say that's the matchup that I find most intriguing. Lowell would be Lowell would be fun to watch going up against Northeastern because if they win, then uh, in all likelihood they would end up going to Matthews for uh, for that matchup. The the second round matchup that I'm most intrigued by for hockey East stuff is the one that's already set. So I won't dive into it in that much detail. But UConn versus BU is the most intriguing of all these matchups because they've already played and they've already staged some pretty notable and good battles. So I'm just curious to see how it would would play itself out. But we've got a week before uh, that becomes more relevant. So uh, I don't, honest to God, don't really see uh, any of these schools playing a big-time threat, but I would see Maine serving as an interesting foil to Providence thing i'd see to it looking over to the big 10 there's a real gem of a playoff pairing this weekend between minnesota and penn state it's kind of a continuation because the nittany lions swept minnesota at pagula to win home ice for this they're coming in hot we talked about bubble teams a bit earlier that billing might apply to both of these squads but especially the nittany lions no, they need this playoff series. They absolutely, without any hesitation, need this playoff series. So, I do you like goals? Do you like offense? I think this series could serve as something of an infomercial for, uh, do you like offense, high skating, energetic hockey? And if you want to get other schools into college hockey, then you take a look at the much maligned Penn State and say, do you like excitement in your students having another thing to look out for in the environment of the of uh, of college? Then college hockey is the thing for you. Just look at how quickly we turned Penn State into raving hockey lunatics. Isn't this fun? And then you pan to uh, them scoring a ton of goals and the fans going crazy and them having a lot of success in fairly recently. So. Uh, this could serve as a real infomercial for that kind of thing, which excites me greatly. But I'd give the nod to uh, to Penn State for this one. They'll need to go on a bit deeper of a run, so they need more than just this playoff series. I think if um, if Minnesota does come into Pagula and pull the upset, I think they uh, I think they seal themselves at least the spot in the NCAA tournament. I agree with, uh, with, with the win. I, I think if Minnesota wins this series, they're in the NCAA tournament, whereas Penn State would still need to do some work, but they must have these. This this is one of those, if they're out, they're out situations, and that's going to make for 
a great atmosphere because they're at home and their fans. So it, this is pretty easily available information. They're going to figure that out. The urgency is going to be there and it's going to make for quite a playoff matchup between two teams that are very familiar with each other, especially recently. Uh, I say get excited because uh, this is what playoff hockey should look like. And for, for all that they've been maligned for uh, recently coming in, I think it's still a good thing that the program is as competitive as it is. And, you know, we're not throwing a dud into, uh, into the mix of college hockey playoff stuff. So I say get excited and uh, NCAA, I will make that infomercial for you. If you like about uh, why this is like the greatest thing in the history of anything ever, because it's such an easy infomercial to make. Even people who don't like Penn State would buy into the, this stuff. Sticking with the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Michigan could be a bit of fun too. Michigan comes in, they're going to be favored, of course, they're at home. That's a tough place for anyone to play, but Wisconsin's not an easy out. They've they've had their moments this season as well, so while Michigan comes in, they're they're one of the hottest teams in the country coming in. They've been on a tear lately, but Wisconsin could prove a um, they could be an upset watch kind of a team. I think they could be, but uh, the way that they've played recently, which is the biggest indicator of uh, of potential success, it is not looking good for the Badgers recently. They had a series. Their last victory was uh was on january 26th the friday in madison against penn state they won 4-2 they won a shootout against penn state the next night but since then uh actually they i'm i'm lying about that they split with michigan their last time in ann arbor so uh they lost 5-3 on a friday night at yost and they won 4-2 the second night but their last two series they've not looked very good Minnesota destroyed them 4-2, and then the next night it was 7-1 in Madison. And then Wisconsin went into Ohio State and made a team that's a really good defensive team look like a buzzsaw offensively, 6-2 and 4 nothing. So uh, I think this could be a, a fun matchup, but I really don't like this matchup for just momentum stuff for Wisconsin. I think Michigan has the potential to turn this into a buzzsaw. And again, if, if Michigan gets upset, then I think their odds of making the NCAA tournament are put on ice. But if they win, then I think they seal it uh, a spot in the net, in the NCAAs for themselves. I don't like this matchup for Wisconsin. I really like this matchup for Wisconsin uh, for for Michigan. I'd I'd agree. That's another team that if they advance, they're essentially in the NCAA tournament. Looking over to the ECAC, I most of the nationally um, interesting teams are not playing this weekend, but there is a matchup worth watching because I, I talk quite a bit about the uniqueness of college hockey and the rivalries that are almost specific to hockey. And there's a good one this weekend. Quinnipiac and Yale are separated by about 15 minutes of road and they don't like each other in hockey, not one bit. And they'll be getting together for an ECAC tournament matchup. Now, I don't know how deep these two teams could go in their 
conference tournaments. Like I said, all the really interesting teams are off this weekend and they'll be waiting for these teams on the other end. But Quinnipiac and Yale, this is going to be a heated matchup. Yeah, the Battle of Whitney Avenue is uh, aptly titled because part of the fun of all this of all these rivalries is that you can meet for a national championship. You know, it, there's a lot of these rivalries where in college football, it's very unlikely for uh, two teams in the Big Ten or uh, in the SEC to meet for national championship. It's possible, and it's happened rather frequently for two of the ones in the last decade for the SEC at least. But uh, it's very, it's absolutely possible in in college hockey. I think the three biggest current Eastern rivals have all met at different points for the national championship. BU and BC met in 78. Uh, UNH and Maine met in 99. These teams, Quinnipiac and Yale, met in uh, 2013. So there's still a lot of bitter memories from Quinnipiac in their, what was their best chance to win a national championship, and it went by the wayside against the Bulldogs. And it was a good weekend for uh, for Yale last to get themselves into the position that they're in right now. Um, they lost in a, in a dogfight against Dartmouth, but they, they beat Colgate on the road week beforehand, and they were very close with Cornell uh, that that Saturday before. And they beat Harvard, their institutionally biggest rival, because for hockey stuff, it probably is uh, Quinnipiac, who's their biggest sports-specific rival, but Harvard is their biggest uh, overall rival just, you know, for the whole history of the founding of the school and all that. So it'll be a fun one. This one is at Ingalls, which is just for... Uh, architectural stuff. It's one of the funkiest and coolest looking arenas that you'll ever get to go to at the Yale Whale. So I say get excited, but I don't think either of these teams are going deeper than one round in uh, in their con in their conference playoffs. I just think the top teams are too good to uh, for either of these teams to really get by, especially with how terrible Yale's power play has been this season. I don't see them going going further than just this round if they pull the victory over over Quinnipiac. Agreed. Looking over to the WCHA, all of their top teams are going to be in action this weekend and getting an early taste of playoff hockey that most of the other national contenders won't get. Minnesota State is hosting Alaska Fairbanks. And before we get into that, I have to say it's been a brutal year for the Alaska schools. Fairbanks, according to the Pairwise, was the fourth worst team in the country. Anchorage was number 60. Alaska Anchorage, by the way, announced that it will not be renewing Matt Thomas's contract for next season. So they're going to be looking for a new coach. They're the first of the college hockey programs to announce that they're looking for a new coach. It's been a rough year for the Alaska schools, and it looks like it's going to be finishing up against Minnesota State, who, again, seems to be in the middle of what could be a national championship contender campaign. Oh, yeah. Mankato is going for a championship this year, as they should be. And I think this is the first time in a, long, uh, in a while that we've looked at a team from the WCHA and said, yeah, they could win a national championship this year. I mean, Michigan Tech, the winner from last season, 
I mean, they were a good team, and it's great to see one of the old old stalwarts in college hockey rising up and becoming a big time competitor again. But they were completely slaughtered by Denver in the uh, in the NCAA tournament last year. So. It's been a while since we've seen a team from the WCHA that can really push for a national championship. And, yeah, it, it's really quite unfortunate that uh, the Alaska schools have not done that well this season. I mean, that record, for, uh, that record for the Alaska schools, Fairbanks, 9-17-2 in conference. Out of conference, 11-20-3. Anchorage, I mean, it is hard to recruit for the Alaska schools. It is hard to recruit in college hockey in general, but I think they have an inbuilt geographical problem that they have to work with. So Anchorage, four wins, 26 losses, and four ties. In conference, 4-21-3. That is bad. And I think it makes sense that they are in the market for a new head coach with uh, how the season went for them. And it's a real shame that things aren't working because it would be a great story talking about unique teams. It'd be a great story to see the Alaska schools really make a run for uh, for the playoffs. I'd love to see it, but we, we've got a little bit to go before uh, we really get into the uh, Alaska schools as being big playoff contenders. Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. You're going to be at a lot of playoff games this weekend. Tell people what you're working on for Inside Hockey. Well, I've got uh, at least three, maybe four playoff games this week, depending on which ones go to Sunday. Uh, The series, I'll be bouncing back and forth between UMass Vermont, I should say UMass Amherst versus Vermont, UMass Lowell versus Merrimack, and Maine versus New Hampshire. I've got shortly after this podcast is all done and up, I'll have a preview of the uh, the first round for the Hockey East and, and the ECAC, and I'll have a end of regular season notes for uh, uh, for all the stuff that happened because we had a great college hockey season this regular season. And where can people find you on social media? You can find me on the Twitter at uh, C.C. Lynch Wall, W-A-L-L, and you can find me on Instagram, C.C. Lynch 16. This has been another episode of Puck University. Please Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you heard it, and please tell a friend who likes college hockey that there's a place to hear people talk about it. I'm your host, Tim Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports and on Instagram at Tim Wright Sports. We'll be back next week. As always, folks, keep your head up and your heads clean.